guys, welcome to another episode of Live with the Cork in the Road. I'm Kelly. I'm your wine explorer here in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am chatting with people who are shaping the Southeast wine industry. Hey everyone, welcome back. Thank you for pushing play on the podcast today. This episode is the finale, the grand finale episode of our three-part Virginia wine mini-series. We've produced three episodes back-to-back, something we've never done before, so please let us know any feedback by dropping a review or sending us a message on Instagram, at A Cork in the Road, on Twitter as well. It has been such a cool project to be part of from our side of things, so we just hope that people are enjoying listening and are learning a little bit more about Eniverse and the Version Project and all of their upcoming events to expand access to the joy of Virginia wine. So you can check out the introduction of part one of this mini-series to learn a little bit more about these organizations and their upcoming events in the month of October, which is Virginia Wine Month. On today's finale, we talk to Chauncey Jenkins, the ambassador for Shaco Wine and a graduate of the Cornell School of Hospitality. He is the former GM and wine director at the Jefferson Hotel and one of the original board members of the Verasian Project. We have such a thoughtful conversation about hospitality and how quality time and personal experiences lie at the core of connecting deeply across boundaries. Words matter, and he does a great job of describing his insights on a lot of concepts in the industry. He is using his unique set of skills to create connection across divides and communicate empathetically. He gives us so much to think about and take into consideration as we move forward from this episode as a wine industry. And I look forward to continuing the dialogue within the industry, both in Virginia and outside of Virginia. A huge, huge shout out to the Universe Club, the Verasian Project, Blenheim Vineyards, and Reggie Leonard for being the connector to make all of this happen and inviting me to join you all in these efforts. I look forward to more people falling in love with Virginia Wine and where we go from here. Thank you all so much for being part of this project. For a Cork in the Road ticket links and event updates, make sure you check out www.acorkintheroad.com and you can tag at a Cork in the Road on social media when you are listening to this series. We'll be back with a new episode releasing on October 14th featuring a very talented wine professional based right here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting the podcast and listening. We really appreciate it and we look forward to continuing the conversation with our next guest raising a glass right now to Virginia Wine and to all of you. So cheers and take care. much for coming on the show, Chanti. Thank you for having me. So good to see you. You, I don't know if you know this, but you are the big finale of our three-part Virginia wine series. Oh my God. Well, that's, that's cool. That makes me, that makes me happy. No pressure, but (laughs) (laughs) if people have been listening to the series, they've already had a chance to meet Tasha and Lance, and they are a little familiar now with the Universe 
the Verasian project and some of the big upcoming events that y'all are doing. But just to give a connecting the dots moment, what has your involvement been with them and these efforts up to this point? Yeah, so I'm one of the original board members of the Verasian Project. So I met Carly when I was so still at the Jefferson Hotel. I was the GM and wine director there at the time. Um, fast forward, you know, I kind of like been exposed through, I think, like Trincaro brands with her. And fast forward, she kind of reached out to me and we talked a little bit about the sense of like justice and equity um, in the wine world and wanted to reach out to folks who had kind of like prominent voices and I guess stakeholders of the community, if if you will. And when she came to me and she talked about it, I was like, oh, all right, yeah, that's like, this is dope. Um, most of my career has been learn as much as I can so that I can just share it with people in a way where it doesn't feel like you have to be like the special person to like be part of these things. Like all of this is just like one long conversation about how much we can know, right? Um, so fast forward with that, we, you know, talked a little bit. I'm, I'm going to be pouring at the uh, Two Up Wine Down, work with Tracy. Tracy's been doing an incredible amount of work on this, by the way. So much, much love to her because she's been killing it. But yeah, we, we kind of, we sat down at Early Mountain and we were just talking about what what would a Virginia wine festival look like? And one of the things that I brought up would be, it would be cool if we could kind of pitch it in a way of how do we take the, the folks who get involved in this and find out what people want to see more from Virginia wine. And then how can we take that back to um, the marketing board or like the, the overall board, right? So we, we use it. What makes this feel like this is a taboo topic right now? And what makes people feel uncomfortable? How could we better reach out to the communities that we want to see included in this? I mean, some of the answers to that already is just like changing our classic plans, right? You know, I did the same thing with like when we're looking at our restaurant, and like opening a restaurant, if you go through like the same like PR cycle, right? Like who do those people reach? You know, it's like, if I don't, you know, if I'm not eating at this like Michelin star restaurant, and I don't feel comfortable there. Like, how do you reach me? So um, a lot of, a lot of what we've been doing here is just like thinking about what, what information can we gather um, from this that we can take back this tangible. So it's not like, Hey, we're just the only ones that's kind of like beating, beating this down. That's kind of been it and working with Verasian, just reaching out to see who who we might be able to develop partnerships with. Everything from like large publications, if we can, to seeing um, how we can get people to just kind of like learn more about what it is that we do. So it's, it's been cool. So cool and so organic with these connections that you guys have all made. Yeah. Very similar values. And then having this ongoing conversation of, of really wanting to make Virginia wine above and beyond what it is right now. I mean, it's really cool that that is the core of a lot of this mission and bringing a lot of different diverse people together for that same love of Virginia. <laughs> like It's super dope. Like Lance is like a homie through like a, um, like I know, I know Lance's sister, but then they, my friend was, he was moving to Denver. So he owned the shop. So the shop that's there like brick and mortar right now was like the shop that my homie, like, it's just like small little things that we, that everybody, everybody's like small, like connected in some way. So. so you're saying Virginia is a series of small towns, which makes me wonder what wine growing region are you technically located in? Because I think of Virginia geography as the growing region. So tell me what wineries are in your backyard. I mean, I'm in Richmond. So so maybe Richmond isn't our backyard, like like the backyard, but like every like Charlottesville and Afton, um if when you start looking there are Madison. So um really big fan of Early Mountain. Uh I love Veritas to death, Veritas and Flying Fox. 
um, working with Flying Fox right now on a on doing my own sparkling line. So that's that's super cool. Wait, wait, you can't <laughs> you can't just <laughs> drop that in. What do you have your own sparkling line? Okay, not yet, but the, but but we're we're building it. We we taste it a couple months back. Um, so yeah, working work. Shout out to Elliot and Virginia Sparkling Company. Um, but yeah, and George, George and Emily and all, all those all those folks there. They're really good people. Um, yeah, I mean, there's kind of like really. Really good thing. I love King Family. Everything that Matu is doing is uh, super tight. I'm really always kind of like seeing what is what is Ben Jordan gonna make, um, what is Emily Pelton gonna make, um, what is Matu gonna make. Like those are those like three people. I'm like I I just find their wines just extremely interesting, um, and I find their wines to be reflective of their personalities, and I think that's like really cool. Like the like when I'm drinking their wine, it it has soul. Um, it feels it feels expressive of who those people are. So it's like really tight. That's the biggest compliment I think you can give to a winemaker. And you just did that for three people. I really do think that's the biggest compliment because they want it to be an extension of their art and their soul. And yeah, Richmond, you can get to a lot of those really good places. I love Richmond so much and good like arts and music scene too. But you are not new to the hospitality space. You are a graduate of Cornell School of Hospitality. That must mean if you went to college for it, you had an early interest in this, pursuing a career in hospitality in this field from a young age? I guess. Um, my dad's a chef. I have been in hospitality since I was four years old. Uh, so just kind of like helping helping him out. Started as his prep cook when I was four with peel shrimp, snap peas, um, wash, cut things, whatever, whatever I needed to do. I didn't always necessarily want to be in the hospitality space per se, but I did I guess the backbone was that I always wanted to have an, have a situation where I could invite people in. Um, just kind of like, like when I was growing up, I, I didn't have the opportunity to invite a lot of my friends over when I was when I was younger. So my like deep rooted story in this is being able to make people feel welcome and comfortable. Um, probably mostly because I didn't feel that way for uh, for a long period of, of my life. But as I grew, so I wanted to I wanted to own my own hotel. So I ended up talking to the rep, actually the rep from Brown. Um, I wanted to go to, because I initially wanted to go to Brown and I wanted to go to Brown for uh, government poli sci. And I was probably going to be a diplomat if, if, if I went that route. Backtracking all of it, I didn't really want to go to college at all. I applied to two on Christmas Day. And I said, if I don't get in at Brown or Cornell, then I'm not going to go to school. And I was just going to like start my own business and like figure it out. So, but the rep, the rep from Brown, like told me about hotel school and he was like, yeah, you know, Cornell and they have this hotel school. And I was like, all right. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, I was like, is that a real name? Is that a real name? It's like, that, that's a real thing. All right, cool. So yeah, ended up going there and met, met a ton of great, great people in the industry and not in the industry. I met a lot of people who are in music, uh, who are in fashion, you know, uh, in real estate. So it's just a it's a great it's a great place for you know folks who again are just very creative passionate and nice nice people like folks who just want people to be happy like if you if you're on that campus and you're a hotelie like you're having a great time if you're not a hotelie you're probably wishing you were a hotelie and that's just you know that's just how it, how it goes you guys are all the people that like when you walk into their house they have a glass of wine for you upon entering the door like those are the type of people that are on that campus yeah there, there's there's something there's something waiting for you um if it's a glass of wine or a hug you know something like that or maybe like, both let's go and <laughs> with a hug you know 
it wasn't always like hospitality that, that I kind of wanted to do. I mean, I've always like wanted, really wanted to do music, but I didn't feel comfortable. Like, how do you go home and, you know, like come to your, like come to your parents and be like, Hey, yeah. All right. But, you know, cause I was always the, I was always the kid who was like top of the class in some way or, you know, in all these different organizations. And really the only reason I wanted it was because it kept me like, it kept me out of school. So the more clubs that I was in, I could just like get out of school and like not, not be there. It wasn't even like for some like resume building situation. I was, I just really wanted to take every opportunity to get out of Richmond as I could. And if it was like going to be subsidized in some way, I'm like, all right, cool. This is my chance. Let me, let me just get out of the city. Uh, so that's, that's what I was on, but yeah, hospitality through the years has, has kind of grown with me. You know, I learned a lot from watching my dad in kitchens and helping him cater events, like helping him cater private events and stuff. That's, that's my, that's my guy right there. My mom's a nurse. So there's like really no way I was ever going to get out of like caring for people, you know, like it was, it was always going to be a thing. You're going to feed people and you're going to take care of people. Those are two <laughs> very good skills to have, Chauncey. I think that that's a really good combination right there to see growing up. And I know even scheduling our chat, you mentioned that you have a new project where you are training or retraining hotel staff. That makes me think that you said you like to be welcoming and have a conversation with people and be a connector. So being in a space of training seems like a really good fit. Is that something you do quite often? Yeah, I like training people. I like teaching people things. Um, and I think the reason why I love it most is because I don't think enough people ask why. When I, when I was growing up, I didn't read a lot of novels or anything like that. I read GQ, Architectural Digest, and I read philosophy books. That was it. So I was reading um, like Desiderius Erasmus or like Thomas More. Uh, Rousseau or something like that even you know even getting into like some crazy stuff like getting into Kant and like thinking about like ethics and what and what that and what that what that looks like like peace and morality and asking the why um, even when you read um, Rene Descartes like first passages before we get to like Cogito Ergo some I think therefore I am like there's just so much that we get to like why why does the body exist why does the soul exist and does the body exist within or not um so being able to get people to the space where they think about the why is extremely important to me because a lot of what we do in hospitality or in life if we're looking at business or helping people move forward there is no answer for um we don't always get it right but what we can do is develop principles that we can go back on and we can develop our own foundations but we cannot do that without asking the why so getting more people to think in that mindset um is great for me and it is usually the best way that I've seen uh, to earn people's trust and respect because you'll ask them what they know and if they know or not. And you're not just giving somebody an order or telling them that they need to do this. They understand that there's a principle behind it. Like you don't, you don't point the knife outward because if you were to pick the knife up, it was, it was thought that you would slit a king's throat. So, or the person beside you. So that's why the knife is pointed inward and, and toward the plate, because if you could pick it up and you could just go like that, right? Like there is, there's small, small principles. Like you always make sure that the, the menu is under the napkin so that it prompts someone to pick the napkin up and put it in their lap so that they can look at the meat. So, so there's that space, you know, like the, those small details are, are extremely important. And, and I think it's important because it moves people to the point of, well, what other things 
what other things can I be principled in and disciplined in life if I asked why more often? Um, how could we better serve people? You know, people, the golden rule was treat people how you want to be treated. And I asked why, because that doesn't sound right. Because I'm me and that person is them. Treat them how they want to be treated and ask them how they want to be treated. Why? Right. So learn. So learning that piece and then being able to like train people. It's not it's not so much about like getting people to know. I don't care what you know. I care that you care to know something and you feel passionate about that. And the more folks that we can get to feel passionate about wanting knowledge, like that actual love of knowledge, um, I think the safer I would feel <laughs> in the world. I think the the more hope and faith I would have in humanity and, and, and those around me. So the, the training piece is more, I like to see people, I like to see people happy. I like to see people like show themselves what they can do, not to impress me, to impress themselves. I, I think people should like be more impressive for themselves and love themselves and like feel passionate about that. So you can find that in training, but why are you here is the first question that I ask people. And even if it's just for money, that's cool. Let me show you why knowing these things will teach you how to, how to do this a little bit better and make more money, right? Like that, like it, it, it doesn't, I'm not here to judge the morality of the decision that you're making. I just want you to, to remember, like you can't get in the middle of this and do poorly and then forget that you made a promise to yourself, right? Not to me. <laughs> you made a promise to yourself. Let's let's not forget the promises that we made ourselves and, and, and move forward. So that that's that's what I love about it, you know. Well, shoot, Chauncey, I want you to be my teacher. I <laughs> want you to teach a class. If you are teaching something, I'm gonna show up because <laughs> you if you want people to have joy in learning new things, that's exactly the type of leader you want in a training space or in an educational space. So based on principles alone, I'm like, Professor Chauncey Jenkins, where are you oh, showing yeah. up next? Like, where is it happening? <laughs> but I love that you mentioned principles and values. You are often mentioned in the same sentences as words like luxury, contemporary, disruptive. How <laughs> are those types of words coming to life in your hospitality principles? Yeah, I think luxury, luxury. So there's this trope of like the magical Negro that comes up all the time. And folks are like, oh my God, you're so extraordinary or whatever. I was like, nah, I'm like pretty ordinary. And there are more people like me that could like exist if you if you gave people opportunity, if more people had access and opportunity to this thing, there would be less magical Negroes. So I'm I'm not here to to be magical. So it's it's funny when I think of like disruptive and I think of luxury. The reason I'm disruptive in luxury spaces is because I'm not supposed to coexist in this way. But even if you look at if you look at somebody like John Dabney in Virginia, who you know was known for like making juleps, he had princes and royalty come in here. He was able to, he was a black bartender that could in, in slavery that could go get a loan from a bank and bought his family's freedom. Right. So I'm not even the first person like me in, in this space, but if that was occurring back then, you know, what, what is, what is it, what is it that's happening that why are we still, why are we still having black firsts right now? It's 2022 and we're still having black firsts in this country. We were in slavery for 400 years and now we're still having black firsts. That's crazy to me. So when I think about, when I think about luxury and the idea of what that, 
of what that means, like real, like real, really great luxury is, is taking the time to care in a way where you have time to have access, where you have time to spend that time on people. But a lot of times, you know, does the mom with two jobs or three jobs have time for, for luxury? Does the guy who's out here like working a still mill? It's not that people don't want to like treat themselves well or treat other people well. It's like people don't have time and luxury and time. We don't have the luxury of time, right? Like that's, that's the, that's the whole piece. So if we had that and we could spend more time, yeah, I'd probably go get pedicures, we, you know, mo multiple times a month. And I would like sit down and take long baths and, and this idea of self-care, like getting people from the from the the place where self-care feels like it's just something that you do once in a blue moon and not every day, right? Like the first luxury that, that we look at is feeling like we have time to like take care of ourselves and do better, nicer things for ourselves without that being something or that where finance is a barrier to entry for that, you know, and some of like the, the best luxuries that you have is when somebody puts a glass, they give you a glass, but they slide a little napkin under your table. And who cares if it's a napkin or if it's a coaster or if it's anything, there's a saying that, Hey, we don't, we don't want this water to get on you. And we definitely don't want this to like injure the table. Right. It's this, it's this like beautiful thoughtfulness. What we have transformed luxury, like true luxury into is the fact that the things need to be expensive, but it's the, those things are expensive. Like champagne is a luxury because it takes a long time to make like by law, like you, it, it takes this, this has to, age for this long like Hermes is a luxury because you have to you have to spend three years in learning before you can even step into the factory to touch to touch fabrics to make it right Gucci is a luxury because they started making saddle leather first and they have to make leather for horses and then move and then over time we end up getting like these like these these names and but it takes time to make those things and the opportunity cost of that time is that I could be spending it doing something else but I'm not I'm making this thing as nice as it can be for you well people don't have time for for that right um so because of that we we end up in this space where now we got black disruptors because what what were we doing um and I think there's another piece of this where there are people who are affluent in our community <laughs> who are also still kind of like the outgroup still in, in, in a way, right? And there's this like fight between, you know, who is right and who's wrong and who's bougie and who's not, you know? So when I, when I think of like the, the, those ideas, particularly like when you, you juxtapose the words like luxury and disruptive, there's this, there's this connotation for luxury that like black people aren't supposed to have it. And I think we spent so much time fighting for acceptance, but I guess I just really don't care about like the acceptance piece of it. Right. I'm just kind of like, all right, I just want us to all acknowledge that we not in the room, but I'm coming and I'm going to be in the room. And if I'm not in your room, your room is probably whack. To be honest, like your room is probably trash. And if your room is trash, that's cool. I'm going to make my own room. But don't come over here to my room asking asking what's going on. Like, don't don't like do what ended up happening in Harlem. And don't like create another Greenwood. And don't like do this whole thing like where we got the reconstruction and then Jim Crow came because Black people was doing well in minding their business. Right? Like, that's not that's not what I want. Right? What, what I want is to be like, oh, yeah, no. 
nah, we're gonna we gonna be dope over here. You can come hang out. I want you to hang out, but don't come up, but don't come over here with the drama, like because we're not with it, and and I'm not the one. Like I'm not I'm not here for your acceptance, for your praise, or your love. I'm here, I'm here for my own joy, and I'm here for this money. So if you if that's not what we if that's not what we're here to do, I want to make sure that I'm good and I want to make sure that like the places that I like to go, my friends feel comfortable being in those places, they feel informed and they love that. That doesn't make them good or bad. I think true freedom is knowing enough to say what you absolutely like and what you absolutely don't. And that doesn't need to be a political statement, right? Like, you know, like that, that's what, that's what like true freedom is to me. Like being able to like literally step out and have the privilege of, I really don't care today. Like I, I don't, I don't, you know, like, oh, I know that you love, oh, is that Jeffrey Chambertin? Yeah, that's great. Hmm, I'm gonna just sip this little like Menthea over here. Like, that's what I want. Cause I really like it, you know, but I love that Jeffrey, I'm, I'm, it's, it's cool. I love that y'all spending all that money on DRC. That's great. I'm gonna buy a Porsche. Like, <laughs> you know, like, or maybe I don't, maybe, maybe I'm cool with this Miata, right? Like it, it, it's, it's okay. This isn't a political statement. Like this doesn't have to be, like all of this crazy, like all this crazy thing, man. So like not like give it like I want people to be happy and be comfortable being who they are. And I want us to be able to walk in spaces, but I want us mostly to be able to have time. Right. And I want people to like have time and have care. And I want us to have more access so that we don't spend our times working for the thing and not be able to enjoy it. Like how many hotels have I worked in that I wouldn't have been able to afford or that I wouldn't have the time to spend in or I would have had to work, you know, X amount of days to be able to have two room nights there. Right. Like that's crazy. Like It's crazy. So, you know, help like help change that narrative. And like help us do it in a way that again isn't like this political thing isn't isn't like this causing some great weird infighting too right like that that's all I'm about like I'm about peace and prosperity so you know that's that's where we ask if that's causing other people to feel uncomfortable cool I've been uncomfortable for a long time you you you'll deal you'll you'll be good but that's that's what we here for but don't come to my room messing my room up like it's it's been carefully curated for all of these years like don't don't come over here with that we drink champagne and we drink good champagne too so don't don't bring prosecco to my room like that's not that's not what i'm here for that is a political statement by the way <laughs> oh my god chanti anytime i have a deep question i'm going to be calling you you just gave me so many things to think about and I can tell you are so thoughtful and so connected to the concepts around you, like intrinsic, extrinsic, you're a feeler, you're seeing all this and you're analyzing things. So you just brought up a lot. And actually, I didn't even think when I've read some pieces about you that disruptive was a negative thing. I actually never saw it as negative. And mm -hmm. so you just gave me also a new perspective of like, whoa, there can be two sides of that coin too. Because I saw it yeah. as like someone who's wanting to improve things. Um, so that's actually yeah. really cool. I spun it as positive the whole time. And I think, and I think that's the crazy piece about it. Like, because why is that the word? Like, wor like words mean things, right? So if I'm the person that's here to here to like improve things and like make things better, it's like, oh yeah, he's disrupting the status quo and the norm. But what is the status quo and the norm? And why is it that I'm that? Right. <laughs> you know, because yeah. these are very like specific things. It's like, no, nah, like, let's really break these words down. It's like when people start saying, oh, this is urban, like the, you know, Grammys came out with this 
this category called urban contemporary. I'm like, what does that mean? I like, I know what that means. Like, what, like I know what that means. So like, come on, just as we as we're out here like using using words and using terms and like let's call in a question what is happening this what is happening in these rooms and in these spaces why is me or people that look like me or people that are adjacent to folks that look like me why is that causing disruption because any earthquakes cause disruption hurricanes cause disruption natural disasters so why am i being put in the same in the same speech as a natural disaster is that you know now those can both be good or bad things sometimes you know maybe a couple of volcanoes shifted the world in a way where we where we needed things to be and we got this beautiful soil and now i drink at Rosso all the time right but you know like Maybe maybe that's great. Maybe we needed that to happen for me to be able to be like, yeah, Narella Mascalese is really killing it right now, you know. But maybe we did it, <laughs> you know. I, like I don't I don't know. And and this goes back to this ph philosophical question: Is it good or is it bad? I don't know. But but we're here. So while we're here, what are we gonna do with our time here? Right? Like that that's the world that I exist in. So oh, your world is so interesting. <laughs> I'm like, I cannot wait to go into all of these topics with you sometime. I'm gonna like come to Richmond and just have a glass of wine with you and talk about all this stuff because yeah, come hang out. Yeah, I'll just come hang out because I think about this a lot in my realm, which the closest thing to me where I approach a lot of these words, because words do mean things, words matter, but I approach a lot of descriptions and principles and values in the wine world. So when I hear these words, I immediately connect them to the wine industry and especially the concept of wine hospitality. Like while we're talking about words, I hear this now as a concept. So for me, I'm attaching a lot of these things of how do we improve or advance wine hospitality. And I think you have a lot of experience in both worlds. So just because words do matter, does that combination of words mean anything in particular to you? Yeah, it's um like stop the gatekeeping, right? Like hospitality, and Danny Meyer defines this as, uh, you know, it's like service is the technical delivery of a, of a, of a product. Um, hospitality is how does that delivery make people feel? And Will Gadara just touched on this again in, in, in a speech that he was doing. Do I care if you bought the most expensive bottle of wine on the list? Probably not, right? Like, I I don't. It makes me happy if, when people do it, you know, but I don't, I don't get pleasure out of... I convinced the person not to buy Opus One one night. And it's not that I think Opus One is a bad wine. I just knew that the 81 Vigna Tendonia was just going to be much better than this, than the Opus One. And it was on cheaper on the list. I'm like, you're going to have a much better wine experience. And this is where the why comes here, right? If I know that the person that's coming is here to, this is like a wallet thing. All right, cool. Then my role isn't to show that person extreme value at that time my role is to be like hey i got the super rare thing because they want to look good at the table right so i'm not here again i'm not here to make a political statement about i hate that you've amassed this amount of wealth no you amassed it and yeah i guess you should want to celebrate with it because i'd probably do that so cool do it right hey here's this salon it's from 1999 it's the last of the decade it's a great, it's a great vintage. Like, go ahead, just drink it. But for the person that's coming in, they're like actually curious. 
you know, that's where the knowledge comes in into 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 play and actually sitting down and like wanting to learn more about this so that you can better guide people to make decisions that they'll remember. And it's not about the bottle of wine. It's about maybe a couple is out and they're both getting in the wine themselves. And then you introduce them on to a really great bottle. But what they're going to remember is enjoying that bottle of wine together, not you being at the table. Like, you know, like that's, that's not, that's not it. And maybe, you know, there's a piece of that, but even if the wine isn't like the best wine that they've ever had, they'll remember that, that, that you took care of them. Um, not being here to say like, oh, you don't know this or, I mean, you made a sound when you when you open the the bottle of sparkling. I mean, don't make a, a sound when you open a bottle of sparkling around me. I, I am pretentious about that, but but I'll teach you how not to do that. That's right. <laughs> I think my issue is that like, we take things too seriously that we gave meaning to, and I think we should be serious about how we how we make people feel. Right. I think we should. If there's anything to be serious about, it's making sure that like we don't make mistakes here or that you know enough about wine to know that it's corked or that this is TCA or something like that. Right. Like that, you know, that. All right. Cool. This wine's over 20 years. So maybe I want a different tool to take the cork out of it so it doesn't disintegrate. You know what? And how is it kept? Like, you know, take take care so that you don't <laughs> disrupt somebody's experience. Right. Um but outside of that, it's what can we do to remove ourselves from the situation so that the time that people are spending, because that's the greatest currency that folks have, right? The less that we intrude in that and the more we can get them to having the most efficient use of that time in a way where they can get the most out of it. Like that's what like wine hospitality would would be to me. Now, how are we like putting ourselves in a space where we allow folks to have the best experiences possible in the time that they have? And if we spend that time arguing with somebody or like trying to do do that, then we've like inserted ourselves in an experience that we've, we're taking away precious time from people who didn't come to spend it with us. They came to spend it with the people they came to spend it with. So if you're here to like look like the best person in the world, this ain't the industry for you, bro. Like. I, like you should leave. You really should leave. And you can go and there's this, there is a room for you. Um, and it's a room full of mirrors, right? And if you go into that room full of mirrors and you just keep presenting bottles of wine, I'm sure the people in that mirror will be impressed by that. But every everything else is like, all right, cool. How do we make sure that we we make the most of that time and we're listening and we're learning and you know, we're valuing like what's going on? That's what this is about. You know, and then on the other side of that is again, who isn't participating in the room and is and why isn't that happening? So then how do we create better spaces where we invite people to become winemakers and why aren't there winemakers that look like us, right? Not, not saying that there aren't there there are, you know, but how do we increase more more of that representation and what does that look like? And the why behind that is so that this can feel more inclusive and more fun. So that it can actually feel like it's real, because Everywhere else in your life, you're going to like some of the biggest places where people se segregate themselves at the dinner table and at church. Right. <laughs> you know, like, and, they, and these places are treated like these sacred like bastions. Of, it was like, well, what is that? That's not that's not what we're about. So what, what we should be doing is creating spaces where people feel comfortable feel welcome on their terms, not ours. Right. Like what like what can we do? 
to invite you in. And if that means education, if that means giving people access, you know, that's that's really what this is. So that at the end of the day, folks don't feel like they have to bite their tongue or remain silent. Folks don't feel like they can't ask a question because that is the most vulnerable place that you can be when you want to know, but you feel like you can't know because the person, nobody's going to like that. That's crazy. Like that, that eats you up inside. So I think that's what we should be doing. And when I hear those two words, that that's what I think about. Oh gosh. And you have made me now reflect on the concept of time associated with hospitality and making the most amazing amount of things happen in the limited amount of time that they are with you can be something that not only in your work, but like with your friends, with your family, like making the most of time. This is something that wine does for me all the time. Wine slows my world down. Wine makes me take that moment and it feels like a second becomes a minute or a minute becomes 30 minutes because I'm thinking about wine. And now my time became more enjoyable. So this makes a lot of sense to me. (laughs) And then I think about the ways that you are using these terms, wine and hospitality together. And you are in a place that is making moves. I loved what was happening in Virginia when I lived there. Gosh, it's been 12 years ago since I lived in Virginia. But even then it was happening. So for you, do you see wine hospitality a part of the food and dining scene in Virginia? Is it happening there? Yeah, I think so. I think I wish people cared more about what service can actually be. And I wish I, like, I, I, I think there's some folks who are, like, really getting there, but, like, really getting us to the point, like, we got to, like, great cocktail menus, and then we got great chefs, and then we started getting great restaurants. And you know what's crazy? I feel like dive bars understand the concept of service in a way that, like, many other people just kind of... You know, a place that makes me feel good, Waffle House, right? When I go to, when I think about like a place where like everybody's gonna be there, you know, like the person I'm talking to is crazy. I got a whole person like, you know, doing like short order cooking, talking to me about their kids, hanging out, and we're actually having like a real human conversation. But you know what didn't happen? Then messed up any of those orders, right? They're listening, they're like paying attention, they're doing that. But really, you got the space where we're talking and and we don't know each other, but I kind of feel like we do and we and we have for a long period of time. I think I think there's something cool about that. I think there's something cool about like being good at service and wanting to actually like carry on a conversation. I do think that Virginia is one of those spaces that we're we're moving forward and but getting past the idea that hospitality and servitude are the same thing. They're not, right? Like great service and servitude, there's honestly, there's a lot of power in in great hospitality. It creates referent power, actually, where like people trust you and it's it is a give and take. Great hospitality isn't something that one person does for another person. That both people have to be actively involved. So I feel like Virginia is is moving to that space. I feel like we've gotten to a point where we've tried enough things that didn't work. Uh, for us to be like, all right, cool. I feel like a lot of folks are getting over themselves too. You know, we're, we're getting past the space of, I got to do this. I don't mean that in this ego-centric situation. I mean it in a, in a way that folks fought for so long to prove something. And then they ended up that the person that they really needed to prove something to was themselves. And they were unhappy with themselves. And none of those accolades were going to 
give that to them, right? Because this is this is intrinsic and it's a choice that you make every day. Happiness is not like this thing. You you like reach the state of nirvana. That ain't it. Like you you wake up every day and say, I'm gonna choose to be happy. And I think we're getting to that place where the independent restaurant owners, um, the bar like bartenders and, and and the like, or even spaces where you know we're creating barber shops or or like um, tailors now have like wine tastings in their spaces. You know, like you know the, the, the situation where how do how how does the thing we do integrate into people's everyday lives and their natural routine and pattern? Um, so I think we're we're getting to a place now because we're going to have to connect with people on a more personal level, especially as as we get to this like recession style period. I think we're going to I think this industry is going to change a little bit more over over the course of the next two years. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw more like hybrids um, come out of this, like a juice bar with the wine shop or, you know, I don't know, like a basketball court. With wine. I, I don't know. Hopefully that's never a concept, but I think we're on the forefront of what this new hospitality realm can look like um because there's a lot of things that are happening in virginia right now like music is there's like so many different genres of music that's coming up the art scene is is moving very well like you're starting to see a lot of medicine you're starting to see a lot of tech happen here so this 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 change that's happening is causing people to think differently and to, and to think a little bit more openly um so i think yeah i definitely think that our space will will get us there. What I think will truly like push us to that, push us over the edge is to get rid of the servitude hospitality piece. Like those, they're, they're not the same thing and nor should they be. Um, one of one of those things is, is a dead end, right? So. Yeah. And you're right in the thick of it in Virginia. I do think you have all the pieces. I talked with a lot of people in the, in, in the wine industry about access points. And you're mentioning a lot of different things. You're mentioning, you know, arts and then also having access like proximity, but also acceptance into spaces and things like that. And Tasha and I, on the first part of this series, talked a lot about space and welcoming space and that kind of thing. I think that Virginia has a lot of these opportunities and a lot of these movements are happening. When you think about what progress would look like for you and a lot of the things that we've talked about today, how do you think your work with the Verasion Project is moving things in that direction toward what you would say is progress? Yeah, I mean, one, you know, we work with the Roots Fund and and we've continued to like make great partnerships. It's really just raising awareness. Like one, you know, one of one of the spots that I worked at. Uh, there used to be this joke that like only blonde white women work here. And then when I left, there's like so many different, different faces, right? Like that representation matters piece is a thing, right? You know, like I, I, I hate to say it, but what would you ever become something that you didn't know you could become or you'd never seen it? You know, it happened to me. We had with the series at Cornell <laughs> called Dean's Lecture and the CEO of American Express was a black dude. And um, our homeboy walked in, and I was just like, "Nah, bruh, not bruh is not bruh is not the CEO of American Express. Bruh is not." I'm just like, "Nah, <laughs> yo, bring the CEO of American Express, whoever this old, whatever old white man it is, yo, bring that guy because this guy." And it was just one of those things because it's just like black people can't be the CEO of American. 
black people having good credit? Nah, this is not a thing. You know, and it, I mean, you know, it's, you know, we, we ain't here joking, but that's that's seriously. I'm sitting, I'm like talking to my man Savion about it, and we both looking at each other. He's like, nah. He's like, no, nah, right? And I'm like, nah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> I wish I had video of your faces. I wish I did. Oh my and, gosh. And think about this. Like I'm 18 at this point, right? Like I've seen like, yeah, I should know. I guess I should know that. But yeah, you like, how do you, how do you know? Like what spaces people are in? Like, how do you know somebody that wants to be a biogeneticist or, you know, biomedical engineer or something like that? Or like a crazy chemist? Like if these things aren't like taught or like moved to you. So I feel like a lot of what we're doing with Voration and going over, even folks who aren't in wine who like ask me about it are just like, yo, that's really cool. That's dope, right? Like just if it doesn't do anything else except raise general awareness and make people feel like, all right, at least there's something, at least there's somebody that's working in this space to make it a thing. Even if that's not a thing that I'm ever going to like dive deep into. Uh, my homie Eric with Capsule, Uncap Everything, he's doing like the same thing with, with beer right now. And he's uh, starting a Black-owned brewery down here. You know, I'm certain we're going to see somebody like get into that with tequila, you know, real soon. Like I, I want to be able to see this stuff like represent it um over over in all classes basically like to tell people what i used to hate when i was really young is folks said you can be anything you want in the world like a doctor like a lawyer and i'm like nah it's just a period after that you can be anything you want in the world don't just start like limiting nah like don't tell me like anything you can be anything you want in the world and you really can you know we can show examples but when you show them examples like don't just show like yeah we need doctors you know but you know, maybe I need data miners too. Like, you know, maybe I need somebody that I, I I don't know. Like, I need carpenters just as much as as I need that, and I need winemakers, and I need them right. So, like, and and I need us to look at that as like an agricultural thing, not just this like cute thing. Like, why? One of the things that we we're talking about with raising, and hopefully we can get to the space, is like in New York, like they lowered the drinking age for university students so that you can. Um, like on our campus so that you could learn about wine early, right? Get that, get that early access. So is that something that we can do here? Or can we get kids on a field trip to look at the idea of winemaking as agriculture for, you know, and as a farming thing, right? So you introduce that to people at an early age, because the only other way you'd be exposed to that is if you grew up in that family or my dad's got a great cellar and I was 16 and he opened up a Lafitte Rothschild, right? And you're like, all right, cool. Like, that's the first wine you drank, you know, like shit. Like, you, we never drink in Franzia. Like, what are we, what are we doing? Like, you, you never even had the Franzia experience and, and now, now you're out here. So they skipped fifth grade. Like, they just went to middle school. Like, yeah, it's, it's not even fair. <laughs> just went, just went straight there. So yeah, I think. Just big and representation and moving forward. Um, another thing that I think is cool is showing people that they can be multidimensional. Like so much, like so many times, like, you know, when you die, they want to remember you as one thing because that like it's comfortable for people. Like it's comfortable for people to like know that you do want this one thing because God forbid, like you want to do all your interests, like mm, it feels unsafe, feels like we, we shouldn't do that. So Showing people that, yeah, you know, there's like multiple things that you can do here. Like even opening up the, the the wine world, it's like, yeah, you don't have to make wine. You can sell wine. You don't just do something like do something. And I'm just passionate about it in, in this space right now because 
it feels like the barriers to entry are so high, right? It's like, how do you even, like, I had so many people ask me, how do you even get started with it? It's crazy. Like, I feel like people fear the wine world more than they fear, like, getting robbed. You know, it's just, I'm like, why is this, why is this so intimidating? Why? Look at, look at you asking why. I love yeah. that. Why? 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 I'm going to start asking why more often. Yeah, that's, I think that's, like, what we're dealing in. And the more and more we, like, build trust and rapport, then that gets us from a place of not only educating, but then... How do we look at like lobbying for things? How do we look at legislation? You know, th things of that nature. Um, I would love for us to get to a point where like the organization no longer needs to exist. Like that's what success really looks like. You don't need it. You don't need this or Roots Fund or anything like that anymore, right? Like that's what justice <laughs> and equity really, really look like. We should have less of these if we can fix the problems, right? So that that's what ultimate success will look like um and do i know that i believe that we'll fully get there um i don't i don't know like i i don't i can't say that i don't believe it but i'm skeptical <laughs> you know so but it would be it would be great but even if that like even if we don't achieve that that doesn't mean that the work that does get done uh, isn't important or isn't isn't progressive right you know it just means that maybe maybe we get to those spaces and then the fight shifts, right? Maybe, and that, and that's the thing. Maybe you, you find out that there's something different to, to move into. Like we, when we, when we started, when we first started Verasion, it was really to kind of help provide grants for like WSET and things like that. Um, and then also like help cover the cost of materials. Cause that's the other piece that people don't think about. And then as we moved into it, we realized that within our network, we were better at being able to kind of do mentorships, um, being able to do apprenticeships and being able to set things up along those lines. Right. So, um, doing our own master classes that can, you know, get people into whatever they're looking for. So if you're like, I want to be on like the seller side of the business, great, you know, like figuring out how we can create a space that's there while we work in tandem with what well, Roots Fund is doing a great job at like providing scholarships, right? So we don't need to, we don't need to serve in that space. So let's continue to move and morph and figuring out how we can have a comprehensive approach to fighting these multi-tiered problems, but really fighting like these barriers to entry to something that quite literally is just agriculture <laughs> at his bait like it's you are heading in the right direction whatever you're doing keep doing it and then the coolest part about these organizations is they are an ongoing conversation and they're flexible and yeah. they're adaptive and they're willing to address new issues and i find that super inspirational you said a word i really like which was multidimensional because I also see that word associated with you because, Chauncey, before I let you go, I need you to tell me when your album is coming out. Uh, yeah. Um, so I got an EP drop in on October 25th, which is a couple days after my birthday. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's really soon. And I'm feeling it right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually with a really great, a great friend of mine, um, got DJ Harrison. He so he produced the entire EP. He's a multi instrumentalist. Most people know him for I guess playing keys, but he's a crazy drummer. To um, has all these like super like cool like yeah like hand organs and like random stuff like in the in the crib. Um, but he's part of this dope band from 
from Richmond called Butcher Browns. So they've been out here like on tour, like moving around and just kind of like really making waves in the jazz scene. But me and Devon, we had been talking, trying to like work for years and we kept seeing each other at shows. And I'm like, yo, bro, I want to do something. Hey, I want to do something. So it's actually, this is, this actually ties in very nicely. So I was on a wine trip. I was on Jorge Ordonez's death march in Spain. Um, I think we're out there for, ooh, out there for like 11 days or something like that. And Devana like sent me something and I like, I got it when I was like in the airport and I was flying from Madrid to Galicia and I'm like, all right, cool. So the third song on the project was actually the first song that I wrote and I wrote it on a plane ride from Madrid to Galicia. Like that's like, that's what it is. So kind of like sparked this, this whole thing because I had this moment where I was just like, I am here on this trip for free for something that I was scared to be a part of, never knew that I could know anything about and, you know, got selected to be one of the people on this trip. I'm hanging out, like seeing some of the most beautiful restaurants that I've ever been to. Like we had dinner in a cave, you know, like just like crazy stuff. And I'm like, you know, I was just like very grateful. And in that moment, cause I'm like, man, you know, I didn't think I was going to be alive this long, to be honest. And I'm, and I'm here. And I was in that moment. And it was just, it just felt, it, it felt really good to be like, yo, you're on the other side of this thing that felt like this monster to you. So for that to be kind of like the record that kicked this thing off and the, the project is called a time before we met. And it's the space of like me having conversations with family and friends and just being in this very reflective uh, mood and it's like a time before I met the person that I am right now and like in in the ways that we like occurred like so relationships with my grandfather and my grandmother um, parents and friends and and kind of where we are like on the other side of these things that we never thought we would do and now that we're here now that I am here like what does that mean and how do I, and how do I use that and how do we how do we go forward again inclusion and access is it's kind of at the base of at the base of it all. And this project is like very much what the music that I honestly needed to hear um, for like for me. So I hope other people love it too. Uh, but yeah, it all started, it actually, the, it actually started on a wine trip. <laughs> it's, so, it's so crazy. That's so crazy. <laughs> wine inspired musicality. I am all in for that. And I feel like the way that you are analyzing, even that that's the connection, I'm like, I want to hear this song. I want to hear this music. So if other people are interested in all of your projects, but mainly the album dropping, what's the best way to connect with you and learn uh more? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm Mr. Chance Fisher on everything. Fisher, like Bobby Fisher, um, quite literally. He's uh, one of my favorite chess players. So uh, so it's F-I-S-C-H-E-R. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm out. Instagram is, I tell people to follow me on Instagram. Uh, Twitter is like just me having like my own live therapy session. So don't count, don't follow me. On, on your well, body. I don't know. I might want to be, I want to sign up for that. <laughs> I, might, I might tune in for that. Dear diary. I just <laughs> Corked champagne today. Oh my god! <laughs> I say had a you know had a corked bottle of Ruin Art yesterday, which blew my mind. I've never had a corked. Oh. I've never had a corked bottle of champagne, so it was, I was cool. And now I was tight. I, like I didn't. I didn't know that it could happen. So now I know. 
Now you learn something. See, always, always learning, always exploring and always thinking deeply and asking why. So thank you so much for inspiring all these conversations and this dialogue will continue. Thanks to people listening and thanks to your insights. I don't think we're done with these conversations and I'm so thankful for your time today to be on the show. Chauncey, it's great to meet you. Hey, thank you so much, Kelly. Cheers to you, my friend. (laughs) Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to the A Cork in the Road podcast, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, and interviewing people who are changing the wine world in the Southeast and beyond. You can find more about A Cork in the Road at at A Cork in the Road on Instagram, and make sure to check us out on www.acorkintheroad.com. See you soon, guys. Cheers.